This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Our lead pastor, Paul, is in Tennessee this week. He has pre-recorded a message, so we'll receive that now. Thank you. I remember in high school, the OJ trial. Do you remember that? Uh, I can still see pictures of the white Bronco barreling down the highway outside of Los Angeles. I, I remember seeing these celebrity lawyers uh, building a case for or against. I remember seeing OJ trying to put this glove, pull this glove down on his hand, and it seemed like that trial went on forever. Even in our own time, it's not uncommon for there to be some celebrity case or celebrity trial. Maybe we're talking about uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, or even right now during this presidential campaign season, it seems like Donald Trump is always in the news and it has something to do with some litigating or some court case. I cannot imagine the pressure of having to testify in one of those court cases. Something that has global impact and cameras and a legacy. But guess what? Court is in session today. For 2,000 years, believe it or not, the trial of the century, the trial of the millennia has been going on. It has nothing to do with Trump. Uh, You might think, well, maybe it's Christianity. Maybe Christianity is what's on trial. But believe it or not, it's the world. The world is on trial. The world, with all of its evil, with all of its systems, with all of those things that they have done and built up to fracture God's good creation— And God has called the world to stand trial. The crime specifically, John begins his gospel with this statement. This comes from John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Let me read it for you. It says this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What John does there in the very beginning of his gospel is really lay out his outline for his entire argument. That first verse there where he talks about he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world didn't know him. That's the beginning opening chapters, first five chapters, if you will, of John's gospel. When it talks about Jesus coming to his own and his own not receiving him, that's the next seven chapters. And then the remaining part of his book is his discussion with his followers, those who did receive him, those who did believe in him. So what's the world's crime? It was quite simply, it rejected Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, came to the world to heal it, to restore it. And what did the world do? It rejected their creator and it assassinated him. 
And now the world stands on trial. John in his gospel, John is like this master prosecutor who's put this amazing argument together. There's this opening argument. There's a closing argument. He builds this wonderful case through the entire book, filled full of witness after witness after witness after witness. And you might be surprised, and you might not even be looking for it until now as you go through John's gospel, how much he lays out this court case. Let me read for you another passage. This is uh, John quoting Jesus in John chapter 5, verses 31 through 40. Listen to the witnesses that John brings forth in his argument. John chapter 5, verse 31. If I, that's Jesus, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now that testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish... The very works that I am doing bear witness about me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Did you see just in that passage how again and again and again, John lays out these witnesses in a court case who come to testify. Jesus stands up himself. He takes the stand himself to testify. But he says, that's not enough. He says, John came forth and John was an expert witness. And John testified to who Jesus was. The Father comes and the Father testifies. The works of Jesus testify. Well, there's a couple more witnesses, believe it or not, that are going to be called to testify in this trial. One is an expert witness. You will be amazed at the things that that witness can do. And the second one is a character witness. But before we get to those character witnesses, let me talk just a little bit of review on how we got to this point today. We began 2024 by asking ourselves, what would we need to have a thriving, surviving, vital faith in this year? Because Jesus says he has concerns. We're moving into a dark time, a difficult time. And he says there's four real relationships that you need to maintain and walk in if you're not going to fall away into the darkness, if you're not going to stumble in the night. The first thing we talked about was having an abiding relationship with Jesus. What does it mean to dwell in relationship with him? He's the vine, we're the branches, and we can't do anything without him. I pray that you are learning how to have an abiding relationship with Jesus. The next relationship that he talked about and we discussed was that we need to have loving relationships with Jesus' followers. What does it mean to walk in community one with another? That being in community in our faith, you can't separate the two. 
And the moment someone tries to do the faith on their own, we can take Jesus at his word. They will stumble. They will fall. After that, we talked about being mindful of that hostile relationship that we will have with Jesus' enemies. That the world hates Jesus. That his way confronts and doesn't conform to their way of doing things. That his words bring conviction. His works confront how the world does things. And we need to be mindful of that. Well, now we come to the last part uh, of John chapter 15. And what we need to understand is what does it mean to have a witnessing relationship with the Holy Spirit? Okay, let me read for you John chapter 15, verses 26 to 27. It says this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Did you notice that? The next two witnesses in this amazing court case, this trial of the millennia, the first one, an expert witness, a helper, and the second one is you. It's me. Can you imagine? I mean, how do you feel right now understanding that you're going to have to appear before the grandest court in the land, that you have to testify, that you're going to have to make a statement, you're going to take the stand to testify that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. I would want some help. I don't want to, I can't imagine preparing for that. I've seen TV shows that have to do with preparing witnesses for trial and court TV shows. And so I actually, I got out my phone and I searched, what is it, what is witness preparation and how do you prepare a witness? Listen to what it has to say. Witness preparation is the process of guiding and training a witness to testify effectively and credibly in a deposition or trial. And then it gives these tips. These are good tips. One, set aside enough time to review the issues, questions, and documents with the witness. Yeah, that makes sense. Secondly, prepare the witness early, but not too early and inform them of the dates, the locations, the expectations of the testimony. Yeah. Then listen to this last one. How do you prepare? Empower the witness to be confident, calm, and clear. That's what I want. I want to be empowered to be confident, to be calm, and to be clear. Well, before we get to my character witness, your character witness, John in his gospel says that someone else goes ahead and speaks for us. So let's look at some of the who's, the what's, the why's, the how's of this expert witness that comes before us. Let me just remind you, this is what it says in John 15, verse 26. And then let me open it up for you, okay? John 15, 26, one more time, says this. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father... He'll bear witness about me. All right, so now, when is this expert witness coming to help? When is this expert witness going to take the stand? 
Well, Jesus says very simply that this expert witness will take the stand as soon as Jesus ascends, which means from our perspective, what's helpful for you, what's helpful for me is it's now. Now that expert witness takes the stand. Now that expert witness takes his voice. I don't have to wait. I don't have to, I'm not left alone in this whole process. But this expert witness is acting now. Where is this witness coming from? Like, is this a legit thing? Well, Jesus says that this witness comes directly from the Father. So you know there's a whole lot of divine investment here. That this is a big deal. The Father himself is sending and speaking into this court case. That this is going to be an effective expert witness. How are they going to get there? Jesus says, Himself, he's going to send this expert witness. He is sending the witness. As soon as he ascends to the Father, he will send this expert witness to testify, to bear witness that he is exactly who he said he was. So who is this? Well, twice John says it's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, here at House on the Rock, uh, we believe uh, what you confess in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Multiple times in what we call Jesus' discourse here at the end, multiple times Jesus specifically reminds us, hey, I'm sending the Spirit. Hey, I'm sending the Spirit. Hey, I'm sending you the Spirit of truth. Jesus specifically says it's actually our advantage that Jesus ascends and that the Holy Spirit comes. It's to our advantage. It gives us the upper hand. And what kind of spirit is he? He's the Spirit of truth. Truth, reality, able to speak to the way that things really are. Isn't that what you strive for in a court case? Isn't that what everyone is hunting for, what everyone is trying to get down to? We want to get down to the truth. We want to work our way through the facts. We want to get rid of the lies. When someone is called to take the stand, you promise to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. John specifically notes for us that this is the spirit of truth. And why is he coming? Why is he coming? Jesus says, he will bear witness of me. That's why he's here. Holy Spirit isn't here to make me feel warm and fuzzy. The Holy Spirit is to get the job done. The job of bearing witness. Literally, that word can be understood as advocate, uh, helper. An advocate is someone who does what I can't do, so I'm free to do what I can do. Uh, he's a mediator. He's an intercessor. He's a go-between. It's okay to, to see that term in a very way. More than a lawyer, he goes and beyond and he does what I can't do. So I'm free to do the things that only I can do. Jesus makes it very specific. The Spirit comes to testify, to bear witness about me. How do you know when the Spirit takes the stand. Everyone's attention is drawn to Jesus. How do you know when the Spirit is working 
when the Spirit is speaking because our attention goes to Jesus. That's why he's here. But what exactly is he going to do? Well, Jesus says he's a helper. He's going to help. He's going to come alongside of me. If you go a little bit later uh, in John's gospel, down in chapter 16, and you look at verses 8 to 11, it unpacks a little bit more the specific kinds of help that the Holy Spirit will bring. Let me read it for you. This is John 16, 8 through 11. And when he comes, talking about the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. How is he help? What is it that he does that I can't do? And I really shouldn't try. It's not my job. What is his job to testify to? He's the expert witness. He's going to point out sin. He's going to, he says, convict the world of sin. means to expose things that are hidden. He's able to bring out things that the rest of us can't see and the rest of us can't discern. He's going to speak to sin, meaning those actions that are against the creator and against his creation. That's what a sin is. Something that violates, goes against the creator's intent. Jesus has said this and the world did that. What the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit exposes those actions, those lies that are violations of God. Not just sin. goes on to say, we're going to expose righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness means how do I walk in a right relationship with God? How do I walk in a right relationship with others? That's what righteousness is. Well, that kind of follows this, this expert testimony. If, if the witness comes forward and says, well, they did this. This is what they should have done. This is how they do walk rightly with God. This is how you do walk rightly with one another. Jesus came to model this. Jesus shows this. And then remember the next thing that he exposes, the next thing that he convicts the world of? Judgment. This is the result. Because of this sin, because of this unwillingness and this rebellion to not walk in relationship with God, to not walk in a loving relationship with others, here's the judgment that Jesus brings. Do you know what it's like when the Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus and against you? I can think of multiple times in my own life what it felt like when the Holy Spirit shone that crisp, clear, clean light of truth upon my life to have my sin laid bare before me, the mask of pride taken away, to be humbled by the voice of the Spirit. Paul, this is what you do. Paul, this is, this is how you act. Paul, this is how you've treated your creator. Paul, this is how you've treated those that God loves. To have my sin laid bare. Do you know what that feels like? I know what that feels like. Do you know what it feels like to have him expose 
when I haven't walked rightly with him, I haven't walked rightly with others, to know that you stand in complete 100% condemnation and judgment before God because of your actions. This is what the Spirit does. He comes as this expert witness. He testifies against the world. Slam dunk. This is a piece of cake. Like, I don't even think I need to take the stand now because the Holy Spirit does such an amazing job laying out and speaking into the case against the world. There's nothing, nothing more that I don't need to do anything. Well, if condemnation was Jesus' goal, if it was merely getting the right, uh, the right judgment, then, yeah, the Holy Spirit would be sufficient. But you see, that's not Jesus' goal. It's not Jesus' goal to condemn the world into eternal separation, creator from created. Rather, Jesus wants to see restoration, which means forgiveness and evidence of life. Forgiveness and evidence of life. That's where the next witness needs to take the stand. A character witness. It's you, it's me. He says in verse 27 of John 15, remember he says the spirit will bear witness, but then he says, and you also will bear witness. Talking to us. Because you've been with me from the beginning. All right, so we need to unpack what that means. That we can speak into who Jesus is because we've walked with him. We know what it means. We know who he is, the kind of person that he is. We can speak into the fact that he is exactly what he said, that he's the light of the world, that he's come to heal and restore. He's come to rule and to reign. There's two previous witnesses that have taken the stand before you and I ever walked the earth. One of them was John, and the other one was the Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 1, John, uh, this is John the baptizer, not John who wrote the gospel, John, okay? This different John, I know, confusing, okay? But the witness, John the Baptist, John the baptizer, this is what he had to say in John chapter 1, verse 34, okay? John 1, 34, he tells the truth. He says, I have seen and have borne witness this is the Son of God. Okay? That's a good witness. He says, I saw it. I saw with my own eyes. In that case, in that situation, he's specifically talking about the fact that the Son of God was be the one that the dove comes and rests on. John speaks to the truth. He tells the story. This is what I saw Jesus do. This is who I saw Jesus was. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Jesus is exactly what Scripture testifies him to be. He's the Son of God. That's a good witness. A witness tells what they saw. Another great witness comes a couple chapters later in John chapter 4. This is the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman, so she's a social outcast. She's not supposed to be in the circle where Jesus is. She, Jesus shouldn't be talking to her. And yet Jesus positions himself in, in a space where they have to interact because he cares that much about those that are lost. And this is what she says in John chapter 4, verses 39. This is John 4, verse 39. 
Many Samaritans from the town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. What was it? He told me all that I've ever done. So what made her such a great... Her testimony is so effective. Her entire town comes out to Christ, comes out to Jesus. Good witness, bad witness. That's a good witness. And what was the testimony? This guy, Jesus. This guy, Jesus, he knew everything that I did. He knew my past. He knew my choices. He knew the guy that I was living with currently wasn't my husband. He knew that I'd have five other husbands before this. In those two examples, I think we can see a little bit of what it means to be a good witness ourselves, that we need to tell the truth about what we've seen Jesus do in our own life. We need to testify to the fact that and give witness to that we're forgiven, that we're loved, that we're received, like the woman at the well did. Here's Jesus. This is what he did. This is how he received me. Despite my past, despite my choices, despite my failures, he welcomed me. He loved me. He received me. That's a good witness. We need to learn how and be courageous enough to take the stand and do the same thing in front of a world that stands condemned. Here's Jesus. But that's not the only thing that Jesus asks of us. It's not just to speak a good testimony. Jesus calls us to be living evidence of his life-giving power. Our life should reflect the fact that Jesus is restoring that he's healing, that he's forgiving. We are to be a living evidence. Previously, when we talked about why the world hates Jesus, I brought up a few points. One of the reasons that the world hates Jesus is because his way doesn't conform to their way of doing things. I also said that the world hates Jesus because, well, Jesus himself testifies to the fact that his words bring conviction his words point out their sinfulness. And then thirdly, his works confront them. We become better character witnesses for Jesus when we think about those three things too. In the same way, those areas might infuriate people of the world. For others, it stands as a living testimony that Jesus is exactly who Jesus said that he was. Our way of life should be different, must be different. Our way of life, because we serve the master, should not conform to how the world does things. Yes, our marriages are to be different. Yes, our parenting is to be different. Yes, our choices are to reflect the fact that Jesus is producing life within us, spiritual life, a vitality, an energy that confronts death wherever we see it. Our way of life is to be different. We're character witnesses. Our words 
Our words should give witness to Jesus. The things that come out of our mouth should reflect Jesus, should point people to Jesus. People need to hear so that they can respond. Just like John, just like the woman at the well, this man, Jesus, changed my life. Our works, the fruit of our life, should testify that Jesus is working and Jesus is in their midst. That's why abiding with Jesus is so very, very important. That by abiding in Jesus, he works things out within us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Things like prayer. That when we interact with the world and we're prompted and we pray for, they experience the fruit of us abiding in Jesus. Our character is to be a living evidence that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. You might be like me, you're like, snap. I don't think I'm a good character witness. Well, <laughs> the Spirit helps. The Spirit guides. It says this in John 16, verse 13. Let me read one more verse for you. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I'm not taking the stand by myself. This is why Jesus, it's an advantage that he goes. Jesus, who is bound by his physical body, now releases the spirit by which he indwells. The spirit dwells within us individually so that when I take the stand, I take the stand in the power, with the power, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is transforming my character. He is helping me walk in the way. He's giving me the words. He's giving me the works by which my character testifies that Jesus is exactly who he said he would be. There's only two kinds of people in the room today. To the first one group, let me speak. To my brother and sister witnesses, those of you who are, like myself, called to be a witness, you are taking the stand now. Perhaps you didn't know it. Well, now you do. You are taking the stand. Does the world have cause to doubt your legitimacy? Do you give them reason to doubt? Are there causes reasons in your life that undermine the message of Jesus. Just before this, when we um, finished our last week, Jesus says that they come against me and they attack me without any cause. Without any cause. We need to live the same way. Are we honest enough with ourselves to say, hey, there are areas in my life that give the world cause to doubt the message of Jesus? Put yourself on trial. You put yourself on trial. I, re I remember the quote from Billy Graham that if following Jesus were a crime, is there enough evidence to convict you? If following Jesus were a crime, and in the United States someday it very well might be, is there enough evidence that they would convict you of the crime? Do you grasp your role in this situation? 
Many of us don't want to be witnesses. We just want to play for the prosecution. We want to run around and point out everyone else's mistakes. That's a whole lot more fun. It keeps the focus off ourselves. We get to traipse around the floor and, and point here and point there and present evidence. But that's not our job. Our job is to witness, to be a character witness. Our life is a living witness. Have you grasped that role that when you go to work, you're taking the stand? When you walk through the doors at church, you're taking the stand. When you talk to your spouse, you're taking the stand. When you talk to your kids, you're taking the stand. Do you grasp your role? Jesus said, you will bear witness. Are you giving witness to him? The Spirit will help. The Spirit will guide. The Spirit will encourage. I've seen that in my own life. There are multiple times when I have finished speaking at a church service, a gathering, um, teaching a class, and someone will come up to me and they're like, Pastor, when you said this, oh, it just felt like the Spirit grabbed a hold of me. And I think to myself, I never said that. The beautiful thing of working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, an expert witness who can see things and do things and speak to things I'm not aware of, who can speak right to the heart of the person in front of me. Do you have your statement ready? You ever thought through what you need to say today, tomorrow, that would give witness to Jesus? It's called a subpoena, an official document that comes from the government that says you're required to appear. You're required to give witness at such and such trial. The word subpoena comes from the Latin. It means to be under penalty, that you have to do this. You are under penalty if you don't. Who's going to be penalized if you don't do this? Who's going to suffer the consequences if you don't take the stand? There's a story that's only your story that someone is waiting to hear, needs to hear, that will prompt them, guide them, convict them as the Spirit does His part, and you do your part, that will reveal to them how much Jesus truly loves them and cherishes them, if you'll but speak the truth. Witnesses, are you ready? That second group, you're not a witness. In fact, today you find yourself on trial, judged, convicted, condemned. The Holy Spirit has been doing exactly what Jesus said the Spirit would do. He's been bringing to your attention your sinfulness, the things that you have done in the presence of a perfect, loving God who cares about you very much. He has pointed out to you how you have not walked in a right relationship with him, how you have not walked in a right relationship with others. You might be like, well, I didn't do that much. It's not that big of a deal. I haven't done that bad of a thing. I haven't killed anyone. Jesus says, if you just get angry, that's about the same thing. Well, I haven't, you know, committed adultery. Well, Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, it's, it's adultery in your heart. And so you find yourself convicted, 
and condemned. My word to you, based on my experience, receive forgiveness. Do a little cross-examination, if you will. Examine the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, as I think about it, uh, this, is, this is a passage I just want to read for you. It's, it's not going to pop up on the screen, but as I think about it, as our, our time comes to a close, there was a, another man who came to Jesus with questions. His name was Nicodemus. And this is what Jesus had to say, speaking to the testimony that was coming against him. Some of these words you might recognize. This is John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. This is, this is the judgment against you. Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works are evil. If you find yourself in judgment, then based on good testimony, Jesus loves you, wants to forgive you, and welcome you into that light in life that only he has to offer. Maybe a little cross-examination is what you need today. 2024 is shaping up to be an awkward, difficult, hard year as people vie for our attention politically. So let's just talk politics. You look at those men on the screen, women on the screen, and you're like, is those, are those our best options? Whether it's the left or to the right, that's what we have to depend on to run our country? Well, I would like to testify that there's a better option, another option. Jesus has come. I testify. Others around you testify. We give witness to the fact he is exactly who he said he was. Jesus has come to drain the swamp, if you will. He's a king worth following. To my fellow witnesses, let's give the evidence that people so readily need. God bless. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.